This week on the Triathlete Hour, we're talking to Lauren Parker about her dramatic silver medal in the wheelchair triathlon race at the Paralympics and how she raced the 70.3 World Championships with her toes severely burned. It's a crazy story. Lauren was on her way to becoming a professional triathlete when she had a freak bike crash back in 2017 and was paralyzed from the waist down. She tells us all about what it took to check herself out of rehab, get to the annual Challenged Athletes Foundation event, and reinvent herself. She's now a champion paratriathlete. Plus, first, Sid and I do a quick recap of that CAF event this year and the big storm over the weekend that nixed the much-anticipated Ironman California. What's to be done with these increasingly common freak weather events? All of that after this short break. Power your next adventure with Outside Plus. Our Outside Plus membership gives you access not just to exclusive triathlete content, but to content across all our network brands like Backpacker, Velo News, Outside Magazine, and Trail Runner. With an annual membership, you get two magazine subscriptions, two VeloPress books, a library of resources like yoga journal meditation classes and clean eating meal plans, gear and event discounts, access to Gaia GPS, dozens of training plans through today's plan software, and a free finisher picks package each year, all for just $99. This is the world's best resource for training, nutrition, know-how, and how-tos. Join at triathlete.com backslash outside plus. That's outside, P-L-U-S, one word, dot com. All right, Sid is back with us, and we get to talk to Sid every week. But I hear, Sid, there's now a whole new, new thing what is it? I keep saying, ask anything, question anything, any question, <laughs> any question. <laughs> that people can ask pros directly their questions and you're on it. Are you getting so I, many I, questions? I mean, I would like to say you are welcome to ask me a question anytime on the <laughs> podcast and the listeners are more than welcome to reach out and ask any question anytime. Um, but yeah, so there is an app that launched today. I think there's about 35 pros and I guess industry experts, they call it. So um, you've got some coaches on there, some photographers on there as well. And it's, um, I, I guess, in simple terms, a subscription base. But once you're on there, uh, you can basically ask a question to anybody on there and anyone can also answer. So let's just say Jan Fredino, because that's probably what everyone's seen the last few today. You, you know, you can go on there, ask Jan a question and it's kind of done in type, but also video. And then he will reply, but then I can go on and also reply to that question or he could reply to any of mine. And so you get to actually see a huge range of questions from the different pros and experts. And I, yes, you know, and it's, I think the aim is like you're starting with triathlon because that's where the background is right. of the people that have set it up. But I know pretty much, pretty sure they've got kind of quite aggressive growth plans into other sports and other industries and performance areas like that so i was yeah. only asking because it's all over the social medias with all <laughs> the big pros this past weekend uh and it was cracking me up because i didn't know it was coming but clearly something was coming <laughs> and so then i saw your instagram post too because everyone's got to have an instagram post <laughs> yeah exactly and it was like i was stressing this morning because it was i think the app kind of came alive at like 6 a.m pacific like pacific standard time is that right is that where you are that's that is where I am, yes. Yeah, and that's where I was this morning in San Diego. But then, like, and then it was just like, but put these videos out before nine o'clock. And I'm like, well, I'm flying and we've got referral codes that are individual to us. And I'm like, I don't stand a chance at getting anyone signing up through my referral code if, like, Jan's already posted and Lucy's already posted. I'm like at 6.01 about to get on a flight going, can I post this? I haven't seen anyone else post anything yet. Not that that's going to make a difference because we don't have the same following. <laughs> but... Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, uh, so, well, Ironman California got canceled. And Jan last night was like, stay tuned. Big announcement tomorrow. I, <laughs> <laughs> I bet everyone was like, oh, what race is he going to do? What race I is was, he going to do? I was. I was all over the Instagram. Well, I 
because one massive storm here couldn't go outside nothing to do so i was just yeah. like scrolling the social medias all day so yeah i was watching every one of yan's updates i was waiting <laughs> to see maybe, what he was- maybe the storm was like actually like planned by timing by uh, the app people to create we actually thought it was all a setup for Jan and uh, Lionel to go at it on Zwift yeah that could have been a good one as well yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so obviously big news of the weekend was there was supposed to be what like the the men's Ironman world championships of California yeah can I go back and say if anyone hasn't signed up for any questions (laughs) and wants to please go on my (laughs) social media and use my (laughs) my allocated code much appreciated and I'll answer any questions via here after that (laughs) okay there you go (laughs) (laughs) shameless plug um all right Real news. Ironman California this weekend was supposed to go off. Everyone's been hyping it. We'd been hyping it. PTO was really hyping it, like a lot. Um, (laughs) And then, I mean, okay, so I feel bad because last week on the podcast, which when we recorded, it was still six days out. And I said, oh, everyone's worried about the weather. It's just going to be showers. It's fine. And then the... And then here in the Bay Area, the forecast just kept getting worse and worse. And by like Tuesday, Wednesday, I was like, oh... I feel bad. I was wrong. And then by Thursday, it was like, oh, this is going to be really, really bad. <laughs> like, Yeah, because yeah. I, I I wanted to I listened to the Tim Don interview uh, today when I was driving back from the airport and actually like got the bit of our chat and where you'd mentioned the weather. And I was like, oh, hmm. that was that was awkward now. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think this is like I actually thought about this. Uh, so obviously, in general, uh, I spend a lot of time listening to triathletes and runners and athletes. And in general, they freak out about everything, right? So I'm super, yes. super used to people over-freaking out about weather. This year, when I have said, no, no, it'll be fine. It won't be hot at Coeur d'Alene. Don't worry about it, which is what I said to my boss. Um, <laughs> I have been wrong, and I have been increasingly wrong. And here's the reason. This is my, And I know there's people are going to message me angrily. Climate change. climate Because... What before was more frequently, at least like odds were that you would more often be like, yeah, whatever, it'll fizzle out. It's not going to like, we aren't going to have extreme stuff. We're now, it's just more and more and more frequently, not that that didn't happen before, but it's happening more frequently that you are getting these like extreme. This was a historic, crazy storm, to be clear here. Coeur d'Alene, yes, it has been hot there before, but it's yeah. hap- it's just happening more now. That was like in the midst of a historic heat wave. So it's yeah. just so, so my, oh, don't worry about it. It's not working out anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, I think, <laughs> and I'm now making, a, I'm just writing a note to go like, when you're planning your races, just check in on Kelly's weather predictions and then avoid. <laughs> or, <laughs> um, I mean, I think, look, I, was, I wasn't there. We were in San Diego, so Southern California. It was pretty nice down there. But we were obviously um, listening in and watching some of the updates coming through and and I'd known like for those last few days from social media that it was this the big storm was planned and but then you see the sunshine of them at the press conference and all of that so and then yeah like on race morning yeah it's disappointed and when you're not there at the venue you do think of all those things of like oh you know did they really try or could they not right. still have done it or you know is this just a cop-out because I'm sat there in a beautiful beach in San Diego but I think then when you you speak to people there, and I think a lot of the athletes were a lot of the pros were very supportive of the decision, and then you see the you see the pictures that come out of social media of the destruction that the storm caused, and I've got more friends in in Marin, and they were they've got like um, water that goes under their house under like a culvert, and it was like raging through, and they were sort of barricading up their house, and the trees blown over. You kind of go. I I would not want to have raced. It's in not that even a want thing. thing. Like to be uh, people are saying, yeah, yeah. The the regardless the, of my training and the time and the hours you put in, like those conditions, and then you see the videos coming out, and I'm like, nope, nope. That yeah, I mean, there yeah. were roads that cars were getting flooded out on, um, yeah. and I mean, they had to rescue some people from drowning, like in that river that was supposed to be, because the the homeless encampments there like got flooded. Um, basically, emergency personnel were like, "Stop leaving your house, everybody! We're like tired of having to rescue people. People are crashing everywhere. Like it was a truck got blown over on the bridge by my house. Like a semi truck got blown sideways, like across the bridge." Uh, so when that happens, like, it's not an option to, that you could, like, go out and do a triathlon. So it's kind of, everyone kept saying, like, choice. There wasn't really a choice. Like, this, what, 
as of Saturday, Sunday morning, city officials, emergency personnel, like we're not going to let it happen. Like it wasn't going to happen. I was going to um, say, it's, it's yeah. more coming from the city officials and the emergency personnel. It's, at that it's point. Yeah. like have the go necessarily at, at the event. It's no. their their liability and the the approvals that they need to get from the local authorities to make the event yeah. go ahead. And it just... It just got worse all day. I mean, so like I was telling you, uh, I got the storm woke me up at like three thirty four because it was so bad. Things were coming down, trees were coming down, and uh, and so I got up and was like, "Oh, the race still happening." I'll drive. It's a little over an hour, and I like put everything in my car, start driving, and I made it. I made it like through a bunch of puddles to the. Fr- and I'm on the highway going forty miles an hour on the highway because like I can't see a bunch of puddles. Do you need to define puddles? I'm thinking they're a little bit bigger than a puddle. Well, like on the way out, like it hadn't totally flooded yet because it only been raining hard for like four hours. It rained hard for 24 hours, right? So it was only like four hours in, but I get to the freeway and I can't see what's flooded and what's not. So I'm driving 40 miles an hour down the freeway in the dark and like hydroplaning. I was like, so I stopped. I turned around. I came home. By the time I came home, all of my local friends were already texting me that they were like, I'm not starting. I'm going home. I don't even care if this happens or not. Because obviously you're, you're local. You're just like, whatever. So, and then they canceled about... Well, I started getting word they were going to cancel about an hour later, and they finally canceled like a little after. Yeah. Um, so I think it's one of those things where there just wasn't an option here. It just is what it is. I feel bad for people who had to travel. Yeah. Jan did not seem happy about <laughs> having to, to fly all the way to California just to go to a NBA game, ultimately. <laughs> and, and launch his app, so it's fine. You know what I mean? Right, and launch his app. Yeah. I, I hear he went wine tasting today, so there you go. It's not so bad. Not he so has bad. got. He has got. He has actually got a very big event coming up this next weekend as well, back in Girona. So maybe that was. He's just tapering now down for that. There you go. See. Yeah. Um, but, so yeah. I do feel. Obviously, you feel bad. Obviously, like the work that goes into an Ironman more than like your local race, and it's not because it's not. It's just the amount of time you spend and your family has spent getting ready for this is obviously all encompassing. So of course yeah. it sucks, right? Like yes. Um, I was telling you too, it was really, really nice on Saturday. It was basically this break before the uh, cyclone. So what happened was the cyclone built up and guys like cyclone is like another word, like if it was tropical, it'd be called a hurricane. All right. So like it was really bad. So cyclone built up in like a 24 hour period. Uh, and that collided with this, like, uh, what is known as an atmospheric river guys. And so the two collided and that was why it was really bad. But the 24 hours before that was really nice because it was like a break and I felt like they almost should have just been like, hey, let's do it today. Like yeah. if you, all the athletes are already there because you have to check in on Friday. If on Friday, and I'm not saying this would be easy. I'm not like, of course it wouldn't. But with more extreme things going to happen, if you had been like, look, this is your best chance of a race happening. If we do it in like 12 hours, I feel like athletes would have been like, yeah, all right. Like, let's do it. You know? Yeah. I Well, hmm. I think you'd have probably got. I think a lot of athletes would have been yes because they'd have seen seen the forecast. Some would have been like, "No, that's ridiculous. Let's just wait and see." But then on that Sunday when the weather hit, they'd have been like, right. hmm, "Maybe mm. should have reconsidered my options." Mm. Um, yeah, it's hard. Like, I know they had an incident in um, Ironman New Zealand in Topor a few years back, where again the weather was like ridiculous, and now. They're, they swim in a lake, and Lake right. Topor is about the size of Singapore, so it's reasonably sized. But it's normally just you know relatively calm. You do get chop, but this year the storm there was so bad that you could surf on the lake. <laughs> and they actually because uh, and that's different a little bit easier because the race is normally a Saturday race. They could push it back. Oh. They pushed the race back to Sunday, and I think they made it a half distance in the end as well. But they were able to delay a, a day. It's harder to, I think, probably to bring a race forward. forward. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then if it's on the Sunday, it's hard to push it onto the Monday because it's not just the, I mean, the athletes are all there, but it's. It's the permits the and the personnel. The permits and, and that sort of thing. Um, but maybe it's something that event organizers are going to have to give more consideration to in the future. Maybe we'll see, start seeing like race clauses going. If the weather looks extreme, right. there is a chance that we will bring the race forward a day or or whatever. I mean, when you start to look into what, like, what race directors are concerned about is, like, whatever your political views are, the reality is the logistics of race planning right now, like, they're concerned about more and more extreme weather. And insurance providers are starting to 
factor that into their insurance um, prices yeah. and and availability. So it's 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 a real issue. And so I think they're exploring all kinds of like how do you deal with this, right? Like what, like what do we have to change location? Like where we can hold races? Do we have to change like timeframes? Um, Cause that's like, next year, like next year I'm in California is going to get canceled for smoke and fire. I like guarantee well, it. Yeah, yeah. This is the thing, you know, it wasn't, it was um, Tahoe had a rough yes. couple of years, didn't they? Cause every time snow, they, yeah, fire. cold fire, smoke. Um, I mean, we, I do not envy the event organizers, but you kind of like you, you, and you want to do the most you can to support them because we still want the events, mm-hmm. but add in a pandemic as well and all the, the restrictions and the controls that they need to put in place for that and still will do, I, I think, and I hope going forward, then plus the the more extreme weather that is occurring more often. And, yeah. It's, it's great. It's so fun. <laughs> Maybe we do turn in, it, it, well. Maybe we are all going to be indoor indoor athletes. Indoor I don't athletes. Be, I don't want to be an indoor athlete. We're just going to run. That's what we'll do. Um, yeah. But yeah. of course, and I don't think there's anything official on this yet. Uh, it does look though like Ironman will be adding a men's race to Ironman Florida. You it, heard it, you heard it here first. She just announced it, it. it. Right. I just announced <laughs> it. No, I'm just saying it's not official. They haven't put anything up, but Gustav Eden already booked his plane ticket to Florida. So I think they told him something. You know what I'm saying? Like I I think I've seen a few of the pros that have sort of said, yeah, rearranging flights and tickets for the whatever time in the year. And I think that was inferring that yeah, they're going to Ironman Florida. Um, because it was a women's only race. This was supposed to be a men's only race. So I think they're just gonna add a men's field there. Um, seems pretty obvious. I don't expect Jan to do it since he has his event in Girona, like yes. you said. Yes. Um, and Lionel hasn't said anything one way or the other, but I, I honestly would be a little surprised. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I I mean, who knows? I would be very surprised if Jan does it because I, I think he was sort of hoping that this would be the big race and then you'd go back to your owner and next weekend that he's got a, an event that he's put on. Um, and I think that was kind of got to be a good celebration, fun end of year event um, at, and sort of celebrating his, the cafe as well. Um, so I can't see him coming back out and then um, and just with the, the lead up into that race with the event next weekend. Um, like you said, I don't think Lionel will likely go because then I think, the reason Lionel was going was the 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 Jan the the Gustav Eden showdown the Camworth if he was there as well. Um, so I still think you'll get a I still think you'll get a good start list in Florida. I think you'll still get a lot of those the male pros going to Florida to race because why wouldn't you? You're in you've trained for it, and if you're looking for that Kona slot for October next year, right. it's a good opportunity just to 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 use your fitness and to race now early on. Um, but maybe we'll miss some of the names where it's not quite as their priorities were their priorities maybe not qualifying for next year or those reasons it was other reasons for them racing against each other and of course you'll miss a lot of people who uh i mean sid as we know you're making so much money from your answering questions so (laughs) pro triathlon they're just a wash in cash obviously you know it's not like flying across the country on a yeah what is it 11 days notice and booking it is cheap so there'll be plenty of people who are just like this just isn't worth it like yeah 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 and that totally. is what it and, is. you know it's it's that fun time of year when we are <laughs> contracts sponsorships lack of and all that sort of thing and maybe and also i think dare i say it people trying to get better points in the mm-hmm. pto rankings and stuff so again wanting oh, to yeah. have a race in to hopefully bolster up their numbers but who knows because that's worth money. Um, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, there was also another race this week. Well, there were a couple other races. There were many other races, obviously, because I believe the stat was that Ironman put on, God, they told me 42 races in September and something like yes. 30 something. So there's still a lot of races happening like all over the world. Um, but here in the U.S. and since we're like a U.S. publication, L.A. Triathlon came back, which was super exciting. If you've ever um, did any of the big city olympic distance races like there used to be la new york chicago um dc had nations like there used to be a whole series and they've all i mean chicago still exists new york still exists but you know a lot of them aren't as big as they used to be so it's really cool to see la come back um i don't know if you ever did it you swim at venice beach like right on the beach 
and then you bike like up Venice Boulevard through the city. It's crazy. It's super fun. But, I mean, I, I I never did it, and I but I was getting that impression from just seeing the athletes that were there. I was like, are they are they really? Because you you know yeah. a lot of these events say LA triathlon, and it's right. out like in a suburb that no one ever sees or goes to. It's you know Sydney seventy point three is not in Sydney at all. It's like in <laughs> Parramatta. It's like miles away. Um, but it did look super exciting that it was actually like in the city. And but how do they close? How do they manage to close roads and stuff like that? It's pretty early. Um, it's pretty short. It's pretty yeah. early. Yeah, I guess uh, so. And people aren't. I mean, so to be like, when I lived down there with a friend, like she lived, they aren't happy about it. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I think her life pays enough money. They brought it back. Yeah. So that was really cool to see. Um, super yeah. fun. And then you were at the other. You were at the CAF Challenge Athletes. thing in san diego yes weekend that was super fun as well that's like just i have to say if anyone if you have if you get the chance to go to a caf the san diego try weekend like just add it to your list it's it really starts on thursday night but then on friday and saturday they have open water swim clinics surf surf clinics running clinics uh pool swimming clinics tennis and like i'm saying and this is these are clinics for um all ages so um there was like two-year-olds three-year-olds all the way up to a guy who was 70 who had just got a prosthetic leg um and it's teaching them how like so the running clinic which is probably my favorite is teaching people how to run how they can still move Mm. with a prosthetic whether that's just the walking prosthetic that they might have just got or if they've been lucky enough to get a a running prosthetic because it a very short story like it it came like this I won't tell you how it started but one of the stories was was that people who were having to have a, a leg or an arm amputated or were born like that and then were getting prosthetics they were just getting standard mm-hmm. walking prosthetics because a sport running leg prosthetic was sport was seen as a luxury no no that's still true mostly insurance insurance mostly still doesn't cover it yeah yeah so anyway so cafs there was another story why they got around which i really do go speak google it look at bob babbitt he'll he'll tell you the story and it is it is it's amazing where they've start how they started and where they've grown and they basically cf help (laughs) kids and adults and anybody really to have that life through sports and it's just an amazing experience the whole weekend um and a real community and family and then it sort of kind of culminates on sunday morning they have a triathlon and people can do the whole thing themselves and raise money or you do it in a relay which is what we do they they also have like a kids run a 5k walk they had a basketball court down there they had a four hour I think it was like static bike-a-thon going on um you've got an expo there it's like there's food and everything and it's just yeah a really really amazing yeah really amazing weekend so you did a relay though because today's interview is with Lauren Parker the Paralympic silver medalist and I think you did a relay with her right and somebody else so that's kind of so I got involved in CAF a little bit from being in San Francisco and Mm -hmm. there was a large community of CAF supporters and athletes there and the likes of Meredith Kessler and and Alan Shankin who's um, on the board of CAF so I kind of became aware of the organization then and was kind of supporting it through through what Meredith was doing and the other athletes and then I was going to race Ironman Australia in 2017 um, and Lauren Parker was racing she was um, a new pro it was going to be her first professional race over the full distance and I didn't know her I'd never met her but I knew her name as kind of one of these up and coming athletes and she was a good swimmer um so I was kind of aware of her being on the start list um and then sort of 10 days out or then the news just came out that 10 days before the race she had this accident and it was basically had left her paralyzed and I, I don't know I mean just it, it just hit me because it was somebody that was going to be on that start line next to me so Mm -hmm. um what I ended up doing was after the race I actually drove and I was flying out of Sydney back to New Zealand so I drove to the hospital to go and see Lauren and that was the first time we met um when she was actually in hospital you know three weeks after her accident um and kind of stayed in touch and 
then through my knowing of CAF and the foundation, I emailed Bob and I just said, hey, I don't know if you've heard, but this has just happened to this girl in Australia, Lauren Parker. Is there any, is CAF global? Like, do you just right. focus in the US or do you do more? And if so, can you reach out? And so Bob, yeah, dropped her an email, gave her a call. I can't remember. And, and then, awesome. yeah. And then that's kind of how she got back into sport and she came out, I'm sure she says in the interview, like mm-hmm. checked herself out of rehab to get over to the, the CAF event in October in 2017. Right. And that was the first time I'd gone to the San Diego event as well. Cool. I didn't realize, I mean, I knew obviously they were based in San Diego and, you know, that they had like, obviously they're big out here in California, but I didn't realize they had this huge weekend. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's and not only that, so um, they have a million dollar challenge, which is all, hmm. which is the week leading up to the event. And it's cyclists, people cycle from San Francisco down to San Diego and they arrive Saturday afternoon. And so everyone is there to greet them all as they arrive Saturday afternoon. So that's a big fundraiser. Um, they have an awards dinner on Friday night where, so Lauren got recognized for, um, I think, greatest achievement with um, Kristen um, Gretsch. Is that the surname? Kendall Gretsch, yeah. Kendall, who, sorry. Who sprinting her, yeah, yeah. Or weekend with her. Why did I call it? Sorry, <laughs> Kendall. Um, and they, because they both got it jointly for that race. And so they were showing videos of that race. Um, I mean, they're raising a ridiculous amount of money and it's right. amazing what they do raise because then that, is all given or a lot of it's given in grants to a lot of the athletes. So over the weekend they were awarding athletes a surprise, like a grant, which might be a, a racing chair or a new prosthetic mm-hmm. or just helping them in, in ver- various different ways. And the other amazing fact, which I didn't realize, I think if CAF had been a country at the Paralympics, they would have finished fifth or sixth in the medal table. Right. Because they back the so of, many people. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. They support. I think it's over 55% of the U S Paralympic team has been connected or has come through mm-hmm. CAF. Um, and they all come back every year. So right. like all weekend is like starstruck of going around with Paralympians, <laughs> but they've all, started as the kids did like right, just, right. Uh, and then you know and it's it's and then the kids just look up to them and they're just like mesmerized and see them as just these superstars but they're so down to earth with it it's yeah it's amazing it's a really um <laughs> it's a very emotional weekend but overall it's like smiles laughs energy these right. kids got like and Lauren herself says it like the first time she went it's and at the Paralympics she said it um it's the first time the kids feel normal right I can see they that. are they are the norm at CAF events because everyone else is is, is like them like them yeah. whereas in every other normal day of life they're the they're the one that is different and and, and don't don't put me up on that but they um, feel they feel yeah they feel different so yeah. it's amazing like at the caf events because they're just like they're with their <laughs> mates they're like bombing around all over the place like yeah it's it's really impressive to see it's really cool that's cool yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it was yeah. good so we had a good <laughs> yeah. weekend um <laughs> Yeah, I guess I I guess I knew that. Like last year when we did our Hawaii from home virtual event, we like because it was around the same time, we yeah. like made CAF a beneficiary and people could like yeah. raise money. But I didn't realize what a big what a big weekend uh, it is. And Bob Babbitt, um, in our interview with him on the podcast last year, he did tell us the whole kind of story of how CAF started. It started with like you know a friend of his needing just like yeah. needing equipment to get back into triathlon after getting hit by a car, and it's kind of grown so much since then. So yeah, it's it's amazing how much it's grown, yeah. and you know, um, like so in our relay team, so Mikili Jones was the swimmer, uh, yeah. Lauren did the bike, and I did the run. Um, Sam Long was down there; that was his first right. weekend or his first experience of CAF, which is really cool to see. I think he was kind of quite blown away by it. Um, Cam Worth is a big supporter. I know Ben Canute's been there in the past, like quite a few. And I, I know I've missed a lot of athletes. Uh, Mer- well, like I said, Meredith Kessler, big mm-hmm. supporter. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of the athletes that go there as well. Yeah. Involved. yeah. Um, it also seems like Paralympics and, and, and para-athletes are just getting faster and faster and more and more of them. It's it's growing like so much. So It is. And, and you know, that's like that whole, you can't, you can't be what you can't see. And mm-hmm. the more 
yes, there's there's more people realizing that they could have this incredible opportunity through sport when perhaps they've had an accident or something that's left them with a with um an amputation or or in a wheelchair. So the, there's more and more people, and I think the more and more you can get information and access to those people, and they realize what they can achieve. That's only going to then bring more people through the sport, you know, like that right. funnel or whatever. Um, and the standard is going to get better, and then they're going to push each other, and then the more people are, and the more coverage it gets. You know, I, you talk about Paralympics. I think London. 2012 was probably a massive change in coverage of mm-hmm. Paralympic sports. And then I, I think, you know, it, it was a shame, obviously, Tokyo, just with the pandemic and circumstances, but I think it would have been mm-hmm. a pretty, an incredible play um, coverage as well. I think we'll see that in Paris. I think it's only going to kind of get better and better from there because they, they are incredible athletes and their performances as athletes are just amazing like I'm swimming next okay probably not a good example with my swim but <laughs> I'm, swimming next, I'm swimming next to Lauren and she is incredibly fast in the pool oh, I'm like, yeah you know, she's got coaches saying like come and swim at the Paralympics for swimming and then mm-hmm. come and do hand cycling and come and do um as well as triathlon and then come to right. winter winter sports like they're just they're just they're incredible athletes they're just incredible athletes Okay, oh, yeah. we had um, swimming. You're talking about swimming next to you. We had Mohammed Alana, who yeah, is a, was uh, a, couple, a couple weeks or earlier this summer, yeah. and uh, and he's missing a leg. He was born uh, without a leg, and uh, and we had both just done Alcatraz, and I was like, shit, we swam the same. Like, <laughs> I'm like not a bad swimmer. I was like, yeah. So I Mo Mo is uh, I love Mo. He was there, and it was really great to catch up with him. Um, but when I used to live in San Francisco, and I would take a I can't remember what it was like Tuesday night or whatever it was like running club. Right. And they would come and we'd be running in the Presidio, but I would be, I, I was giving them hill reps up sand and like Mo's got his prosthetic and he was like, and he's, he's done the Sahara, the marathon de Sahara. Right. Um, de, de de Sahara, Sahara. Yeah. Thank you. That one. Um, and everything. And he's just, and then he, he was um, doing, yeah, doing cycling at the, at the Paralympics in Tokyo. Cause his category wasn't in the triathlon. And I know mm-hmm. he's, wants to go back to triathlon but just and I see yeah you see him swimming in the pool and they yeah they're just fantastic athletes it's crazy, yeah. it's crazy. It is. sorry so, all excited <laughs> all excited and Lauren's on our show today and the para tri world championships are next weekend which weirdly is in Abu Dhabi and it is the para tri world Championships for 2021 but it is the first race yes. for the non-para for 2022 series just to confuse everybody yes yes totally yes <laughs> um but we will be back thank you so much for chatting with us sid and uh yeah we'll chat soon always good thanks kelly All right, this week we're talking to Lauren Parker, silver medalist at the Paralympics, who just finished 70.3 Worlds in St. George, which, Lauren, you have to explain this to me. I heard it, you had third-degree burns, um, and and you still did the race, but you had to have nurses with you. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, so I got third-degree burns right before 70.3 World Champs, and I was in Las Vegas training after the Paralympics, and it was a 45-degree day. And my friend Brad, you mean Celsius, right? Oh yeah, Celsius. So about <laughs> 110. Um, and my friend Brad would just finish a ride together, and he put me in the car. And it takes about 40 minutes for him to unpack the uh, pack the bikes down and put them in the back of the car. And I was just chilling in the front, and I had the aircon on, uh, and I had my feet up, just relaxing on the dash, and my feet were against the glass of the windscreen, and. Yeah, my toes burned from the the hot day against the glass. So obviously hmm. I can't feel my my feet. So they were just burning and I didn't even know. So it oh, was wow. pretty bad. Um, a day later we were coming to St. George and as soon as we got to St. George, we went straight to the hospital and, yeah, they started treating him right away because um, there was chance of a possible amputation on a few toes. Um 
And yeah, luckily at the moment, I still haven't had needed to have them amputated. But there is one in particular that's um, of concern that I've just got to keep um, keep watching. And but yeah, all my toes are black. And I went into oh, Saint wow. George, in into the seventy point three World Champs. Like I, I still raced and. I had two wonderful nurses from the hospital came down to uh, race day to help change my dressings like during the race. So I had to make my feet fully waterproof for the swim, hmm. uh, but still water, some water gets in. So in transition one, the nurses were there to change the dressings and everything. So I'd be right for the bike and they were there in transition two as well. And at the, at the finish line to re change the dressings, at the finish line so they were absolutely amazing I had only just met them uh so they really wanted to help support me and you know make my race happen so if it wasn't for them I wouldn't have raced and yeah I was, I'm I'm grateful that I was able to be there and but it was the toughest race I've ever done the the course was just insane um did you guys? I mean, you must have gotten rained on pretty hard too when you were out there, right? Yeah, we had four seasons in one day. Like it started <laughs> off really sunny, blue sky, and then all of a sudden, I'm I, I'm riding into a, like a dark storm with lightning, and started raining and a bit of hail, and going up Snow Canyon. Um, so it took about an hour to go through Snow Canyon, and and that was all raining the whole time, and. It was just a, one of the hardest courses and it was so hilly. Um, it took three hours longer than a normal 70.3 would take me. So okay. that's, um, yeah, putting it into perspective. Yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, it is, anyone who's done that course like I've done, it's it's very, very hilly. And I I don't feel like I see wheelchair athletes on that many incredibly hilly courses. Is it? Is it just like it must be very hard to get up and then to control coming down, right? Definitely, especially for the run, the the run leg, and it is like so steep for a racing wheelchair to to get mm-hmm. up. Plus, um, the really steep downhill. Uh, it was just so hard. One of, one of the hardest days I've ever had. Um, like I'm pushing up the the hills and I'm hardly going anywhere. And I I'm thinking to myself, I actually have to do this course twice like the I was on the first lap and I had to I was thinking I have to do another lap after this um yeah I thought I really thought I wasn't going to finish but I dug deep and I just kept going and didn't give up okay are you and now you stayed out there to train are you um you're not like training on the same course right you you found some some less hilly places to train yeah less hilly places to train um and I also do a lot on on the wind trainer as well Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, is there like a specific kind of trainer for like the, the hand cycle for the wheel, for the wheelchair? Well, for the, the hand cycle, which is the bike, I can just use a normal, a normal mm. bike trainer. It just goes okay. on my front wheel. Uh, and for the racing wheelchair, for the run leg, I have rollers. Like, um, uh, there's a set of, it's two like cylinders at the back where my, the two wheels go that. Um, of the racing chair then the front wheel of the racing chair is just fixed so the Hmm. rear wheels can just spin on like cylinders that's interesting yeah yeah you must have a lot of equipment so you were telling me i mean you came over obviously you were in tokyo for the paralympics you came over to us for this race you're headed to abu dhabi for the para world championships so eventually you got to get back to australia if you can ever you know that's like a whole mess right now i know uh yeah how much gear do you have with you? How much does this like take to do all this world traveling? Yeah, it's a, an absolute nightmare. We've got like 10 items and five of those items are oversized. Um, my bike box is like over two meters long. It's in, but like a meter high. Um, I don't know what that is in feet. <laughs> um, like three feet, yeah. Yeah, it's just we've got so much gear and it's a nightmare checking in at the airports. It takes about, it takes over an hour to check in all the gear and they don't, (laughs) they often um, don't want to work with you. They don't want to allow it on. And yeah, eventually we get it on, but um, yeah, we, we travel with so much stuff, but um, once we're at the race, it's, it's all good. Once we're settled in, 
into the hotel. But yeah, after uh, 70.3 World Champs, we went to Cozumel uh, mm-hmm. for the 70.3 a week later and um, two nurses that were here in St. George came to Cozumel to you know, oh, do really? the dressings on my feet as well. So I've just had amazing support here. Um, so after Cozumel, I came straight back to St. George for more treatment at the hospital. So that's where I am now before heading to Abu Dhabi uh, on the 29th of um, October. So my race is on the si- uh, 5th of November in Abu Dhabi. And that's the, uh, we were just talking about this, I think, uh, on your last week's episode, but that's the Paratri World Championships are going to be in Abu Dhabi for 2021, even though it's the start of the 2022 season for the non-para-athletes. So this is, because you guys didn't get a world championship earlier in the year, right? Yeah, that's correct. So this is mm-hmm. uh, our world championships for this year, and um, it's sprint distance. So coming from straight from 70.3 back to sprint, <laughs> it'll be nice. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking to you know, back up my uh, world title that I got in 2019 and hopefully mm-hmm. get, get another win there. Okay. And so what kind of uh, training are you doing to like balance all these different, you know, sprint races? And I think you said it to like seven hours to do 70.3 worlds, right? Like that's a very different kind of training uh, plan. Yeah, method, it's, technique. it's uh, been really hard. Like, well, in Cozumel, I did um, five hours for the 70.3, which puts the 70.3 worlds of eight hours into perspective. But um, training has been hard because of the third-degree burns on my toes. Mm. I haven't been able to swim a lot uh, or, or do the run leg a lot because being crun- you know crunched up in the racing wheelchair uh, doesn't allow a lot of circulation to my feet. So I've, I've only just started back run training just this week. Um mm. I've been managed, I managed to do the two races, but other than that, training hasn't been very consistent. So I'm looking to, you know, increase that consistency over the, over the next month leading into the race, but I'm definitely underdone at the moment. Um, but I can't think of that. I've just got to, um, look forward and, and do what I can over the next four weeks of training, but I've, managed to find um, these sleeves that go over my feet to make my feet fully waterproof so I, I am able to swim train. So um, that's been really good. I've had a, a three swim swim sessions back now and, um, yeah, it's, that, it's really working. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. It seems like there's a lot of gear and a lot of logistics involved for you. It's going to be like half the battle. Yeah, so much, so much logistics, and um, yeah, so much that needs to be planned going into every race uh, with equipment, and um, even like hiring cars is a nightmare to fit all the equipment in. You need to mm. get a truck, um, which is yeah, just makes it more difficult. But we manage. <laughs> manage. Let's talk about you. Uh, how you even got into triathlon in the first place? You were a swimmer growing up, right? Is that like in Australia. Yeah, so I was I mean, a I national swimmer. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was a national swimmer growing up. I made it uh, to the Olympic trials at, when I was 14. Um, so I spent, you know, 20 years training to be a fast swimmer, 16, uh, swimming 16 kilometers a day. I'm not sure what that is in miles again. <laughs> Sorry. A lot, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, which is like five hours a day pretty much. Um, and I, when I was 18, I wanted to try something different, but I felt like I couldn't really quit swimming because it's been it would it was a part of me for so long. So I thought I'd give triathlon a go, and I did my first local triathlon and got seen by a national coach who mm. wanted to coach me, and I got straight into the sport pretty quickly. And uh, within the next year, I was traveling around the world doing uh, ITU races. Um, and I did that for a few a few years before moving into the longer distance triathlons and Ironman Ironman distance, and and that's where the love for the sport really um, was really there. I just my heart is with Ironman, and I just I just loved it so much, and I loved the endurance aspect of Ironman races. Uh, and I did my first Ironman in 2014, and I qualified for the. Ironman World Championships in Kona, 
And I raced Kona both in 2014 and 2015, getting a, a, a second place podium in 2015. Uh, before And then I turned professional in 2016. Okay. So, so yeah. that was kind of your goal was to become a pro and to... Yeah, that was my 100, 100% goal. I wanted to, you know, I had that goal of becoming world champion in the professionals one day. And I believe that, you know, with, I had the dedication and, and passion for sport and talent that I could I could make that happen. But uh, 2017, I had my accident, uh, right, which right, stopped right. everything. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people, I mean, obviously uh, – you watch like the the Paralympics or the para athletes, and you guys all have like very different backstories. And so I think a lot of people don't realize that you were a very good non para triathlete before you became a para triathlete. Um, yeah. And and you just had uh, the bike accident that you had. It sounds like it was a freak accident, right? Like I was reading some of the details, and I was like, I can't imagine how this 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 would happen. Having getting double flats at like exactly the wrong time out on a ride. Um, it seems incredibly rare. Yeah, so um, I was on my last hard training ride before tapering down for Ironman Australia, which is going to mm-hmm. be three weeks later. And I had two minutes to go on my last effort. And, yeah, both my tyres burst. And I went straight into a guardrail. Um, but the cause of the accident was actually um, – in Australia, I'm not sure if they have it in America, but there's rubber that goes across the road that camps the cars, um, just a, a thin tube of rubber. Um, right. And that had been taken out of the road, but they left um, screws in the road that's supposed to hold that down. They left the screws in and they were sticking uh, out of the road loose. And as I rode over those screws, both my tyres burst. So it was the cause of the screws. And if I was one millimetre either side of those screws, I'd be fine. But... Hmm. Uh, yeah, it wasn't the case. I went into a guardrail. I I broke my shoulder, broken ribs, punctured lung, broken pelvis, broken back, and uh, spinal cord damage, which left me instantly paralyzed from the waist down. Definitely, right. my life changed in that split second. Oh yeah, I mean, I can imagine. How long? Um, I think you were in the hospital for like six months or so. How long did it take you to kind of think about coming back to triathlon? Yeah, um, well, that that same that first day, I was told I'd never walk again, and okay. life changing, and spent six months in hospital. But it wasn't until about four months later that um, a good friend of mine, Bob Babbitt, who is the founder, the co-founder of the Challenged Athletes Foundation in San Diego, he gave me a call uh, when whilst I was in rehab and basically said if I wanted to get tri- uh, back to triathlon, um, this is where it, sta- it, it starts with CAF, Challenged Athletes Foundation mm-hmm. Triathlon Weekend, which was going to be held in November or October of that year in 2017. Um, so he invited me to the event and basically I asked for five days away from rehab and they said, no, I could only have three. So... Uh, I said, well, I'm, I'm going to go. So I signed myself out of rehab and it was the best decision I'd ever made because in rehab, the physios told me that I'd never be an athlete again and that I need huh. to learn to live the rest of my life in a wheelchair. <laughs> so it was pretty uh, negative, a negative right. place. So jumped on a plane the next day to San Diego and it was like, wow, I met so many people um, at this event that um, were all challenged athletes that um, were so much worse off than me. And I saw one thing uh, in particular and every single person was smiling uh, and they'd been through such horrific accidents as well. Um, You know, people had been off to war and had their legs blown off. There was little kids running around without any arms and legs just on their stumps Just and everyone was having fun and I thought, you know, these people are participating in the triathlon that weekend and I was just there watching this particular weekend and I thought, well, if these people can do it and participate, then I can do it. I can get back to the sport that I once loved and, you know, that's where I, I found out that para triathlon did exist and that I, mm-hmm. I was able to get back to my sport and that's where the ins- inspiration and motivation came back to me and I was 
able to set new goals and I had a purpose to life then. And, I, yeah, I returned back to Australia, got the new equipment that I needed, the hand cycle and racing chair, uh, and started training. And it was like a month later I was I raced my first paratriathlon. Oh, really? With so only a month's quick. training. Yeah. 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 Huh. And it was so hard getting used to the equipment with my arms, you know. I had to build up strength in my arms, and at first I hated it. I hate I hated using my arms for everything, but uh, right. I built up. I really worked on building up the strength and getting used to it. So you didn't think about changing sports and doing like just swimming instead, or or just something else? Uh, running at that point. At that point, I didn't. I just you know I found out that it was possible to get back in a, into triathlon, and that's what I chose. Cool. And so how, uh, I mean, obviously you have to like work, you had to work on your arm strength. How different is paratri from regular try? Like what were the biggest challenges to kind of make that transition and, and that you had to get used to? Yeah. Biggest challenge was, I guess, the run leg. Um, it's very technical mm-hmm. and there's so many parts to it. It's not just like um, throwing on some running shoes and off you go. It's uh, the chair is so specific and it's molded to your body. You have to be, it has oh. to be really tight to your body. Um, plus the, the way you push, you, you have special gloves that are molded to your hands and you push on these push rims um, that accelerate you forward. And getting that push right uh, is super technical and normally takes years and years to get the right um the right portion the you know the right contact on the rim um Mm. so that was the hardest part and I really had to work on that the most and I'm still working on it I definitely haven't mastered it even yet um it's always a work in progress but um, I think a lot of people sorry go ahead sorry oh I was about to ask what's the difference between the two yeah yeah between the hand cycle and the racing chair yeah yeah so the racing chair I'm like kneeling and Uh there's one wheel in front and I'm my head's forward and um, I'm pushing on the push room and for the the hand cycle I'm pretty much laying flat uh and with my feet out in front um and both arms are on the cranks and they both go around at the same time uh yeah to, to Which allow is me to accelerate forward. Yeah. Probably the the hand cycle. Definitely okay. easier t- to get used to. Uh, okay. and that's my definitely my strongest leg out of out of the three. Got it. And so um so as you're making all this transition, I mean obviously, yeah, like you said, you also had to kind of build up strength in your arms, right? So that would be a pretty big difference. Yeah. Definitely, and I um, really worked in the gym, uh, mm. worked hard in the gym to build that strength up, but also just consistency is key, consistency in swim, bike, run, gym, um, that builds up strength, uh, you know, build up strength over the years to allow me to um, improve quite quickly. Yeah, I was going to say, so you had your accident in 2017, you're tell- saying you did kind of your first First one, 2018. I mean, you were pretty quickly winning world championships. Yeah, so it was wasn't until yeah 2019 that I won the ITU Paratriathlon World Championships, and that that was my goal through all of 2018 and 2019. And I really worked hard at it. Uh, and I think become uh, from being an athlete before my accident, mm-hmm. I really knew what it took to work you know what it took to get be a world champion I, I guess and what you know how hard you have to train and I was really really used to pushing my body to the limits and you know work towards that one goal and that's what I just focused on and I focused on the little things like uh, like the technical aspects of like the run chair and, and the hand cycle um, to really improve and I just had that one goal in mind and that's what I set out to achieve. Right. Okay. And, uh, and do you feel like, I mean, since you were doing, um, you were kind of racing as a pro before and now you're racing, uh, as a para pro, like, do you feel like the attention in the media and the sponsors are similar? Do you feel like they, they get as much attention as they should? 
it is improving. Like um, mm-hmm. there's still a, a big gap between able-bodied and para uh, with um, yeah, you, you don't get as much media as a para athlete, but it's definitely the, the gap is closing and I'm finding um, – for me, I mean, for me, sponsors, I've got more sponsors now than an able-bodied, right. but in terms of um, acceptance and, and media and stuff like that, for especially other para-athletes, uh, there is that gap. But it's definitely closing, which is good. Yeah. It also seemed like the competition level at the Paralympics, I mean, has just gotten higher and higher and higher. Um, watching this year, it definitely seemed very, very competitive. So. Yeah, definitely it, it was and uh, didn't get the result I wanted. <laughs> um, yeah, unfor- yeah, unfortunately on the, the last U-turn in, in the race, I got stuck behind a, a slower competitor that I was lapping and I had to slow down quite a lot. It took about eight seconds. I, I lost about eight seconds and, you know, in the end I lost the race by a second. So it was quite hard and frustrating. Uh to you know come second in that way but you know the girl that won Kendall I'm I'm good friends with her and she's a great athlete and yeah I couldn't be more happy than for her and then obviously I mean that sprint finish was probably the most exciting finish you know triathlon finish this year and and it kind of went viral Mm -hmm. I feel like it was at least here in the U.S. it was you know on ESPN it was on the TV did you get a lot of people then um I mean did you get the sense that it had gone viral that you know everyone around the world was watching this uh, I got told that it had, and I'm um, like, it, it wasn't the greatest finish for me. <laughs> um, you know, I, one day I'll accept, uh, you know, the silver medal. Um, you know, oh, for sure. But but when you know when I think about it, I've got a Paralympic silver medal, and not many athletes get those. And after what I've been through over the last four years, uh, yeah, you know, I I can't be more proud. My I mean, other, uh, not only, yeah. Sorry, not only oh, no, like no. I've had, I had my accident, I, like I've had six spinal cord surgeries, two wrist oh, surgeries, wow. another surgery. Plus, I live with uh, constant neuropathic pain to ninety percent of my body, twenty four seven. So every minute of every day, I'm living in torturous pain. Um, so, you know, knowing I'd, I'd overcome all those surgeries plus and living with the pain and get a Paralympic silver medal. I can't be more proud. No, it was, it was um, a very impressive uh, race for sure. And the other thing I was about to ask you about the Paralympics is obviously um, they use like a head start system in your race, right? So, yeah. So you started ahead um, because of all the things you just listed, right? Like you have more uh, impairments, I guess is the word. Um, yeah. How is that? What is that like, though, knowing that, I mean, you basically start the race out in the lead and you have to kind of, and you know that people are coming behind you. That's got to be a little bit stressful. It's got to change your race strategy, too. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather um, be in front and be chased, you know, mm-hmm. having people chase me down rather than me be the chaser. Um, you know, with all the triathlons I did as an able bodied, I was a, an, I came from a swimming background. So I was always in the right. lead. So I was I was always used to that, but yeah, there's two waves in the wheelchair category. So I'm in, I go off first uh, with the other athletes that are more impaired. We have spinal cord injuries that are, you know are paralyzed from the waist down, uh, and then the second group they go off four minutes later, and they obviously obviously have less impairment. They've got more ability uh, and more feel in their body. So. Uh, I knew, I always knew that Kendall in particular, the girl who won, uh, she, right. I knew that she'd be coming, uh, you know, she, she's able to really lift up and power down on the race chair, which I, I don't have that ability. So I knew she was always coming fast. I just had to try and stay in front, but, uh, yeah, you know, that's always in my head. I knew, knew she'd be running me down, but, um, yeah, great competition. Yeah, I mean, like you said too, right? You're still practice the, the the race chair. You're still getting the hang of the push and the practice. So definitely take some yeah, time. I haven't been yeah. doing it for that for that long, so it definitely takes time. 
And uh, and so, I mean, you kind of mentioned and you're telling me what your goals are from here. Obviously, defending your title in Abu Dhabi is a big one. What are your plans from there? What I mean, are you going to take an off season? You probably should take an off season. Uh, I'll have about maybe a week off and then I'll get back into it. <laughs> I don't like having too big a break. I just, I just love training and love being active. So after Abu Dhabi, I return back to Australia and... Yeah, I'll have a, a week off or maybe two and then get back into training for the next season. So uh, the next season, uh, we've got another World Championships in May of next year. Hmm. So that's that would be my next big focus. Uh, but uh, we've got little races like in January, February, Oceana Champs, which is the Australian Champs, National Champs. Uh, and then... Later on in the year, I was like I was supposed to do Kona this year, which was supposed okay. to be last weekend, but obviously it was cancelled. So next year, I'm I'm looking at doing Kona if mm. it goes ahead, uh, which I can't wait to get back to doing Ironman, especially at, at Kona when I did it twice as an able-bodied on the same course, and I can't wait to just achieve that. So that that would be another goal, and then all sites are for Paris 2024. Paralympics. Yeah, the uh, the para championships and like the Olympics and every Paralympics and everything. Those uh are all raced over about an hour, right? It's a, it's a much shorter distance than than Kona. Definitely, yeah. the The sprint distance is an hour, and Kona will be. Oh, I I think I, I my goal is to do it in about fourteen hours. Okay. Uh so a massive difference. Yeah. <laughs> So how much do you train then uh, after your, you know, one week break that you give yourself? How much are you kind of going to be training in a given week? What does a given week look like for you? Yeah, I'll build up slowly, but I'll Mm -hmm. I'll train on average uh, four to five hours a day. Uh, You know, some days are four hours, some days six. So it just depends. Every day is different. But Mm -hmm. that's that would be in my in my peak. peak weeks my biggest weeks um but yeah about five sessions of swim five sessions of bike and five sessions of run with two swim session uh two gym sessions um yeah so my week's pretty full pretty busy um and it it just takes uh, you know just preparing for each session takes a lot longer than an able-bodied as well uh right and getting to each session and you know getting in into the equipment it just takes a lot longer so my days are are pretty much maxed out getting to to each session and preparing and then there's also i was watching during the paralympics and there's obviously a person that uh, a handler that helps you with the transitions and i didn't realize you get to pick yours right you get to practice with them yeah select your handler yeah so does that person work with you all the time then too yeah, definitely not all the time, but definitely um, when you know I'm in, in a big preparation for a particular race, it might be for the eight weeks out of a particular race, I will have transition practice with my handler. Mm-hmm. So we'll go through um, getting from the swim onto the bike and bike onto the run, run as quickly as possible. So we've got a system that's that works for me that you know we've got it down pat that it's it's really fast and you know you can't lose seconds in the race you know every second counts in such a short sprint distance race so uh, we've worked really hard on it on getting my transitions to be really uh really fast but in my first ever paratriathlon we were like so bad it took like three minutes for each transition and we you know I kept getting dropped and my legs were like going everywhere and it was just not it was just yeah it wasn't good at all so after that first um embarrassment of (laughs) my transitions in my first paratriathlon we worked so hard at it so that I'd be you know have one of the fastest transitions so it's it's been really really great that we've been able to do that it's a great it team. seems like there's a lot of different things to think about here. Like 
even though you knew, you know, triathlon itself has so many things to think about and you obviously knew all those already, but now there's even like more things to think about and plan and figure out. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so much, so much more, but you know, um, you know, having to rely on another person in the race as well, your handler to, you know, get it all right as well, um, which I have full, full trust in my handler. We've, we're a great team. But yeah, yeah, you know, there's the the run chair. It's not just like slipping on some some running shoes. Right, it's, right. You know, trying to fit into your run chair uh, and getting getting all that right. But yeah, it's it's great. It's I've got to really you know master everything to do with paratriathlon, which is good. And so big goal next year, obviously. Uh, another world championships and then Kona and then 2024 Paralympics getting, getting, uh, improving on your silver. I, I would assume is the goal. Mm-hmm. What are, yeah. like, do you have any other big crazy ideas here that you want to try or is, I mean, Kona is going to be pretty big. Yeah. Kona is going to yeah. be massive. Um, but I, you know, I don't want to just do Kona the one, the one time I want to keep doing, doing as many Konas as possible. Um, <laughs> But after 2024, I, you know, I have sights for the next Paralympics as well um, in LA and then the next oh, ones okay. after that in Brisbane. So I've got long goals. But for Paris, I'm actually looking at trying to do another sport as well, um, the, oh. the hand cycling events because um, it's my strongest leg in the triathlon. Um, yeah, I'm, I can be really competitive in the hand cycling events. So I tried to qualify for Tokyo for the events, the hand cycle events as well. But due to COVID, it stopped me from doing an international event. So I wasn't able to finish the qualification pro- process. But oh, okay. uh, I'm looking to do both paratriathlon and hand cycling at, at, at Paris, which is uh, exciting. Because you were like, you're just not busy enough right now. You need to get more. more I know, there. I know. And I love a challenge. I, you know, I love a challenge. And you know, paratriathlon would be my main event, but the cycling events are just are just great. I've done a few uh, already, like racing in in the hand cycling, and I just love it. And it would be the the time trial event, which is around the sixteen oh, okay. kilometer. I don't know in miles, sixteen kilometer time trial, mm-hmm. and then it would be a road race, a longer road race, about forty kilometers. With the road race, I mean, I assume that it's like a mass peloton with everyone on their hand cycles yeah. right like it's a big group yeah yep so you that really have like to know be, your yeah, skills yeah. Yeah. yeah i actually prefer the time trial better because it's the strongest and fastest athlete wins whereas in the road race anyone can win because it's just about tactics and you know <laughs> you can draft and everything all right so here's my last question for you then do you have any free time like what do you do outside of paratri and and it doesn't sound like your free time. <laughs> I don't have a lot of free time, but I do uh, make the most of the free time that I that I have. And I actually I love music and I, and I play guitar, so oh, okay. I like to play guitar and and just chill out in when I'm not training. Um, and also I'm I'm pretty arty and I like to draw as well. So um, they're my two things that I like to go to in my chill out times. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I was getting worried about coffee. you. I was just like, and you what? <laughs> love coffee. I love going to coffee shops, okay. so, you know, in between my sessions. <laughs> That's number one. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was starting to, I was like, oh no, it sounds like your days are so packed. Like, when do you even yeah. have time to eat? So, yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us and good luck in Abu Dhabi coming up. Um, That'll be exciting. Defending you. your your world title. Yeah, thank you so much. I need all the luck I can get. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Lauren and Sid. Thanks to all of you. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend and leave us a review. Keep training and keep listening.